This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm excited for you to be here today. We have an interesting topic with an interesting guest today. Uh, today we have Colby Piper. We're going to be talking about the cannabis industry, which we really haven't done on this show before. So I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Colby. Thank you for having me. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Colby, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. All right. So I'm Colby Piper. I'm the director of the cannabis division here at Ripco Real Estate. Um, Ripco is the leading independent retail leasing and investment sales firm in the tri-state. Uh, we cover a majority of the market share. I've been here for about six years. Um, and then I decided to open up a niche division, which was the cannabis real estate division, as I was following the regulations that were coming out in New Jersey, as well as three or four other states. So we opened up the division. We were able to... Um, get a lot of deals done pretty quickly. We've done about 325,000 square feet of cannabis specific real estate. Um, so keeping my finger on the pulse of the cannabis market here, um, we open up the division, makes it a little bit cooler um, and a little bit more personal to me. My father is one of first of a hundred doctors here in New Jersey to prescribe cannabis. Um, and my mother is a four time, four form cancer survivor um, who is an avid cannabis patient. So to see the plant working in its everyday life as I grew up um, and seeing its effects makes the plant a little bit more personal to me. So not only am I in the cannabis space um, to do the real estate, obviously, um, but it is a little bit more personal to me. So I call it making the world a greener place. No pun intended. Making the world a greener place. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, I didn't know that about you. Um, You're Father's a doctor is prescribing. Your mother's a cancer survivor. Good for her. And you are in the real estate side of it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, I know you're pretty specific to the tri-state, but what you're seeing, what's going on with cannabis real estate? You mentioned 325,000 square feet. Is that like grow houses, retail stores, doctor's offices? What's going on? It's a mixture. It's a mixture of both. Majority of the square footage is obviously cultivation and manufacturing, um, but the retail square footage is picking up pretty crazy. Um, the market is completely out of control. Um, it's getting smaller and smaller as the days progress. Um, only good thing is towns are now starting to opt in because we only had a hundred about 180 towns that have opted in in New Jersey out of the 500 that will allow some specific type of cannabis real estate or cannabis operation done in that given town. So that already shrunk the market to begin with. Um, and then the zoning and the regulations of where you can place these businesses um, also shrunk the market as well. Wow, so there's a lot to unpack there. Let, let's go back. You said the market's getting smaller. What do you mean by that? The market's getting smaller because the state is releasing more and more retail licenses. As these retail licenses get released, they will be taking up the retail spaces in the given towns. Some of these towns here in New Jersey will only allow 
two retail locations or maybe five. Some are unlimited. So it automatically starts boxing some of the people out by shooting the market that way. Got it. <clears throat> and in New Jersey, are these all private retail licenses, meaning they're private companies or private businesses? Because I saw in New York there's some pr private public partnership between the government, between the state government and a, and a fund they created to open up locations. It reminded me of like, if you're familiar locally, Pennsylvania opens up liquor stores. The state is the, the tenant who's opening them up. Is New Jersey like purely private ownership or is it like some public-private partnership? There's all private ownership. Got it. Um, besides the major MSOs, which are multi-state operators like True Leaf, Cure Leaf, uh, Green Thumb Industries, those larger operators, they're still private, but yes, they um, are majority of all private here. Is a, is a way to think we release that they're going to start some type of fund or grant program for uh, helping the social equity applicants get their uh, funding to open their business. Is the way to think about it in New Jersey a lot like the liquor licenses, whereas like there's a limited amount in a town, somebody gets the license and the license is worth like everything? Is that is that how it's turning out with the cannabis? Semi. But that would be almost jumping the gun because you can't sell the license until a given time. So, um, but to your point, the operation is valuable when it's up and running, not when it's a license, not active. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. So, how have, you know, you said 180 opted in which I know there's 500 towns in New Jersey, but 180 seems like a significant amount. Has the, are you starting to see the tide turning and people and communities be more receptive to allowing cannabis businesses in their backyard? So what's really happening is the state, what I'm finding out when I'm speaking to some of these towns is the state ultimately didn't give the town's enough time to make a decision to opt in or opt out. So the towns automatically chose to opt out, which would allow them an opportunity to opt back in in the future. Okay, so majority of the towns already opted out automatically because they didn't have enough time to formulate their cannabis board. Um, so as its business has progressed, towns have been able to formulate their cannabis board are now on the verge of opting in, so they will become more towns coming on. So that's the main reason why there was only such a small amount. Now in the given towns and to make it even smaller out of 180, some towns don't allow retail operations. Some towns only allow cultivation. Some towns may only allow manufacturing. Um, and that shrinks it down for all, for everyone that's getting the license as well. So the, the state, the state, re so if I understand this, the state releases a license but the town doesn't necessarily have to allow that operation in their specific town. I guess my question is, how does one acquire one of these licenses? How competitive is it to get one of these? And how does somebody go and try to get, whether it's cultivation, retail, how, how does someone get a license? So what I would say is the most competitive license to get is probably the cultivation license because they put a cap on it 
Um, I think there's a total of 37 licenses allowed. Um, cultivated. Got it. Um, but there will be micro businesses that are smaller than the tier one, tier two, or tier three cultivation licenses, which are um, unlimited. So those are able to switch to an annual license. So I don't know how the numbers are going to work out with the state. Um, but the retail licenses, um, they're technically, the state is releasing unlimited amounts. There's no limited on those. So I feel as if those are less competitive to get. There's also no limit on manufacturing. So, um, you just got to be first in that town. Correct. Or, you know, lobby the town to switch over to allow you in that given town. So in retail, we always talk about sales performance, right? We talk about whether it's a food operator or a clothing operator, we're talking about sales performance. How has the sales performance of these cannabis locations been? Are they doing like, you know, the, the you know, Apple and Lululemon are always like the highest per square foot specialty retailers in America and every market. It, it, is cannabis producing high sales per square foot? What's, what's going on from a retail perspective? So very high per sales, sales per square foot. Um, I believe the state reported that the adult use cannabis industry has done about $30 million um, since April. It's been open um, and it's been across, I believe, 13 locations. Um, so that's about $10 million a location, a little bit, uh, $3 million a location. Um, and they're operating out of give it 22,000 to 5,000 square feet. Wow. So they're doing pretty good numbers. That's just the Got it. use. That's not including the medical market. That's not including the medical. Okay, that's recreational. Yeah. And you said, and, and so maybe averaging 3 million, give or take, you know, obviously mm -hmm. that's back of the napkin math, but it gives good context on a sales per square foot basis. Now, the retail operators, they are buying it from the cultivation people so the current operators that are selling recreational marijuana and uh, recreational cannabis as well as recreational um as well as medical cannabis are seed to sale so they have a grow facility and they're selling their own product they're also Got able it. to purchase other products from other growers in the given state i so see they're able to buy other brands well, there you go. That's why that growing licenses and cultivating licenses a lot is a lot more scarce than the retail license. Okay, now I'm. That makes a lot of sense to me right. now. Okay. Um. <clears throat> well, that's uh. And how big is the? At least in your world, the medical marijuana piece of it now is that is, is the real white space recreational or is medical still hot? They're both equal. Uh, medical is still hot. Um, they're making it so the medical market could never die, just like uh, you could never run out of prescriptions. Um, so it's kind of pretty, pretty solid, the medical market. Got it. Really helpful. I want to I pivot it to a real estate lens for a second. How has the reception been? And, and Ripco deals with, you know, 
I've dealt with Ripco for years, and Ripco deals with landlords all over. How's the landlord community like been responding to having medical marijuana or recreational marijuana in shopping centers? So they're all very curious. Um, they're curious because cannabis pays a premium in rent. They're curious because cannabis drives people to their shopping center. I'm curious. <laughs> That's why you're here today, Colby, because I'm curious. <laughs> puts a lot of people in your shopping center. Um, but the issue is some of the anchors, um, they don't allow it. Sure. Um, is it possible for you to approach the anchors and say, hey, I want to parcel off my or condo out my pad site in the center. And will you allow me to put a cannabis dispensary on it? Technically. Have you? Two. Have you? So I understand waivers all too well because mm -hmm. it's not just cannabis, whether it's, you know, Everything old school fitness or restaurant. I'm in the, I'm in the business of getting yeah. waivers, right? So I'm in the business of getting waivers. Have you seen any, and you don't have to give names. Have you seen any retailers be receptive to give a waiver to allow cannabis in a center? Yeah. Wow. You said that quick. Yeah. So some national retailers have said, all right. Yeah. Well, wow. Some of them have kind of just turned a blind eye to it because it's such a small percentage of the center. Say it's 5,000 yeah. square feet out of 100 square feet or 3,000 square feet out of 100,000 square feet. Um, it's very small. It so you, you, mentioned, you mentioned something, though which was traffic. I would imagine, I don't know, but I would imagine if I went to one of these retailers for a waiver and I, and I said that, they would be like, yeah, but is it the right traffic that we want to the center? Yeah, absolutely. There's no, I, the stigmatism behind the cannabis is what needs to be changed across everyone. At the end of the day, you're, the, the, the People that everyone is stereotyping that um, are coming to the dispensary don't come. They buy their product in smaller increments than the dispensary provides. So I see. There's also a tax, and so the price is already high. So the black market will always remain strong. Why would these average or whatever stereotype people that people have the stigmatism behind cannabis are coming? Um, why would they go? Why would they go to the dispensary? Fascinating. That is, that is, that is fascinating. Actually, that's a really interesting perspective. The dispensary is um, for the market for the cannabis for the for the smokers that need to find a safe place to purchase their cannabis, and it's the majority of the people that are thirty five and up. 32. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's... Go there. Got it. We are going to take a quick break here, and now a word from one of our sponsors. Complete Solutions and Sourcing, Inc. is a customer-centric, comprehensive, managed waste service provider, independently owned and operated. We are the experts in waste and recycling solutions with a key competitive difference, our boutique approach. 
We are driven by our desire to support the commercial real estate industry's owners, landlords, and managers as they navigate the ever-changing and challenging waste industry. We are honored to work with some of the industry's top brands to strategically craft, implement, and manage some of the most impactful waste programs available today as we reshape the waste industry and lead our clients to their diversion goals. Is your waste program complete? Contact us at complete.com, C-O-M-P-L-T.com, and let the experts at Complete Solutions reduce the environmental impact of your waste program. Last piece of this, tell me about the, the state versus federal, right? Because landlords with mortgages uh, struggle to lease space to cannabis operators, correct? Yeah, but they can always refinance. So it all depends, if, you know, it's expensive dollar, but you can always refinance. There's multiple private lenders and lenders out there that will love to refinance your property. Um, there's also ways for you to refinance and then also to sell out to a cannabis REIT, which is also very lucrative for your landlord. Got it. Okay. Um, the money's expensive, but there's ways to do it, multiple ways. And because the margins are so strong and there's so much white space, the cannabis operators at the moment are paying a premium in rent to get to the properties, correct? correct? All right. So I try to tell, I've been negotiating with clients as well as landlords. You can't really charge the retailer more than about 20% entry over market, 20, 25%. Um, on the sole purpose that the 280E tax is about 60% on the retailer. They're the only operation that cannot um, underwrite or, um, I'm losing the term, they can't write off any of their losses, the retailer. So if you do, on average, if you have a store that does $10 million a year, they're profiting about $700,000 a year off of that because of the, the 280E tax code. So if you were to charge them higher than that for them to sustain the business um, or as it increases, because they pay the 3% annual increases, say year five to seven or eight, as the market expands with more retailers, their sales numbers are going to drop, but their rent is going to increase. Sure. So, and, and right now you said it was $30 million in in... Thirty million in recreational cannabis was done. Yeah, for four months: April, May, June, July. Yeah, April, May, June, so three months. Got it. And then there was thirty locations. 13. You said open. Thirteen. How many? Thirteen. Wow. Wow, that's some big numbers in only a four-month period. Holy cow! Right. But as the time progresses, those numbers are going to go down because there's more sure. avenues to get it. Right, so the price yeah. of the, the the numbers across the board are going to go down. The product's going to stay the same price, but the, but the average retailers are going to be making less money because the is the is the product is it? Can I charge whatever I want? Like if I've got some special one, can I charge whatever I want, or is the the price regulated? The price is not regulated. The pound price is the is the price. So the wholesale price. Pound price. Got it. The market is set by the hmm. growers. 
Got it. Okay. Well, listen. Fascinating stuff. Like I said, what a what a great response when I said, "How are what's the landlord's reaction?" And you said, "Curious." I think I I fall into the curious bucket uh, as a landlord. And it's crazy. The private lenders reach out to me, and smaller banks reach out to me and say, "How do we get involved?" And you know, Valley Bank lends the cannabis and refinances properties to cannabis on a relationship base. How do they do it? I don't know. They're one of the largest. They do it across the country. And that's a large bank. So um, the money's there. Wow. Let's talk about you for a second. I got three fun questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one. We call this clear the air, Colby. Question one. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did? Sometimes I wish I could sing. (laughs) Me too. I can't do that. All right. Go rapid fire here. Question two. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? And what was it? Man, I think I do it so often. I'm trying to think. I think the first time I was at Blue Ribbon Sushi um, this past weekend. And it was my first time having some exotic fish. And it was pretty good. Very cool. Yeah. I'm a big sushi fan. All right. Question three. Tough one. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Mm. I don't know. What is one thing that most people agree with that I don't? Um, most people don't wash their hands prior to going to the bathroom. They wash them after going to the bathroom. I believe you should wash your hands prior to going to the bathroom and then after going to the bathroom. That's a unique one. All right. You're touching yourself. So, like, why are you going to dirty yourself? (laughs) (laughs) And then I understand that you don't want to spread, you know, to, I don't know if this is PG or R, but I don't know if you want to spread that to everyone else. So you have to wash after you go to the bathroom. It's funny. Okay. All right. You have a story. Let's go to the story about Flemington, New Jersey. Tell us how that happened. So Flemington, New Jersey was the second cannabis deal I ever did. Okay. It took three years. Oh, boy. Long story. So when we met the client, the client was presented to us. They were on one given space in Flemington, New Jersey. Um... And we negotiated a deal and down to the lease signing basic portion. So attorneys on our end, I represented the landlord, attorneys on our end were paid. Um, The tenant ends up going dark in 2019. The state took three years to issue their license since their ATC, which is Alternative Treatment Center, which means they are fully integrated, which means they are seed to sale. So they grow what they can sell. Um, so they went dark and then 2021 came around and they called me and said, hey, is the space still available? The space was no- When you say, just so we're clear, when you say went dark, you don't mean the store closed. You mean like they, they, went just, they, went, they, they, they went, ghosted you. They ghosted me, correct. Couldn't hail, find them, call them, call them, nowhere to be found, nothing, nothing, nothing. Then they just come out of the woodworks three years later 
And it's like, hey, is this space available? That space was already leased by me. Um, but they applied to the state with that given address. Um, so we had to do some cool things and we ended up negotiating the deal and getting the deal done. But it was very, very interesting that we had a very interesting or intricate negotiation process. Um, landlord did what he had to do to have the tenant in the space. Um, and then they just ghosted us. And then came back like, hey, we got our license and we're ready to move now. And they wanted to you know, sign a lease within the first week and a half. So a couple of things. So one, did the tenant ever tell you why they ghosted you? No, that's kind of like one of those things that are un unsaid. <laughs> okay. But you had, you had mentioned something in the story and I'm curious how this played out. They had registered the license under the address that you had already leased to a different tenant. Right. So, so did they have to unwind that? Yeah, so I believe they had to go back to the state and change since that they're uh, fully integrated. So they had their grow location um, and their retail location. So what they did was they, I believe they had to go back to the state and change the address from like Suite 6A to Suite 6 B or 6C, whichever one it was given at that time. Was it in the same property? Yeah. It sweet was. Change, sweet change made the difference. And why this location? I'm curious. I'm curious because how are cannabis retailers looking at real estate? So what made them like this property? Flemington was a green light, a green zone uh, town from the beginning, from 2019. They raised, so they were a green zone. They raised their hand and said, hey, we want cannabis. And so they're a green zone. So that was, they were first, they were one of the first in the market. Great town, Flemington. And then, so they, they green light it. But why this property in Flemington? It ends up, it literally ends up, whatever properties fall in the given zone for retail are the properties that I see. It has, I see. You know, they, it's not... It's not like some of these other retailers where I need I need this, you know, this this specification, this specification, this that. I want this co-tenancy, that patio seating. It's not like that. Correct. No, they um, they obviously look for aesthetics, um, obviously because their original build out for themselves is expensive. So if they can save money on the way the building looks. Um, they obviously look for aesthetics. They look for just like typical retailers, but they have to look in the given zone that they can do it. I see. On you mentioned the build out. What the build out of these locations? I've seen some. They look like fancy day spas. Are these expensive build outs? Very expensive. Normally they spend, you know, retailers spend five hundred to a million a million bucks, depending on the so five hundred grand to a million dollars. So on a you know, and you said they're two to five thousand right. feet. Right. So, All right. So, so on a two thousand foot space, that's square foot base. They're putting seven hundred grand in five thousand square foot. They're putting a million, a million plus. Um, okay. That's uh, that that's the that's that they put in there cost a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, that's you know three hundred fifty bucks a foot for an existing space. That's fancy build out. Yeah. On the on that on the build out, 
I should have put the numbers in landlord numbers for you. <laughs> Fair I enough. see you doing the math back. <laughs> so when you went and you were, were you representing the landlord as well? Yeah, I represented the landlord and then a woman. So there was a broker who fell off in between and came back. So you uh, represented the landlord. What were some of the things you wanted to know about this grower and retailer? Did they did they give you like did you guys want to know what the store was going to look like? So they gave us just like any other retail, they gave us their plans, um, their renderings. They gave us their approval. They showed us their license. Um, we did a background, a little bit of a background check. We they had a, other operations in, in other states. One in a couple in Utah. Oh. Um, in Pennsylvania as well. Um, I visit the one in Utah. Um, and then landlord was comfortable to move forward. Got it. And what type of property is this? Is this a grocery anchor center? Is this a small multi-tenant strip? What is this? This one is about an 80,000 shopping center with some, no major anchor, but the anchor is a home good, 42,000 square. Okay. So home goods. Yeah. Is this is this on twenty twenty two? Yeah, two oh two or twenty two. Two oh two, yeah. I know where this is now. Okay. Yeah. I know where it is. Let's check it out. And I imagine now that the tenants open. Tenants open or not yet? Not yet. They're almost done building out. You're building out. Okay. Well. Yeah. That that one's gonna be nice. They do a really cool job. Really good. So now our are you starting to get a bunch of retail clients from a cannabis perspective now? Yeah, so the retail sector has been pretty crazy. Um, you know, we have over 70 clients um, looking for space here in New Jersey. So Wow. Um, plus New York, New Jersey. So say New Jersey is about 60, 65, the rest are all in New York. Um, and New York business now is getting, I see myself more in New York than in New Jersey. So we have, finally, have, we have built a team. So um, we're able to be, I'm able to be more than one spot. Wow. Well, I'll have to check this out when it opens. Really cool story. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for giving us a real good perspective on the state of the cannabis real estate market really helpful i want to take us to the last part of the show i got three fun questions for you are you ready i'm ready all right question one call us retail wisdom colby what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead do you remember uh, miami subs oh yeah i wish they would come back <laughs> i only think i only like the french fries <laughs> <laughs> question two what is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Um, AirPods. They're over 20 <laughs> I left them in Vegas. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> Question three, Colby. If you and I were shopping in Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Um, deodorant or candy? <laughs> deodorant. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go shopping with you now, Colby. <laughs> There's nothing else. I'm a big guy. There's nothing else in Target that fits. 
Oh my god. Is it like the food or the or the deodorant on? That's the only reason why I go to Target. <laughs> or I I should have said eye doctor because I use that. All right. Well, listen, Colby, this has been great. Anything else with cannabis we didn't really touch on that might be helpful to everyone out there? Um, I'm sure there is. But. It's, it's, it's very, very cool. It's a new industry, so there's very many avenues that multiple people can make money. There's, you don't have to be plant touching in order to be profitable through the cannabis industry. So everyone stay creative. How are, how are people, is there, is there talks of e-commerce with this yet? Online sales? Yeah. There's online sales now. No, but I mean like, if I open a, if I open a, like, I meant more like omni-channel, like, I have a location in New Jersey and then I now have a website and you can buy it online and pick it up in the store and things like that. Yeah, so you can do that now. So they prefer you to place your order online. Oh, wow. You into the store, you purchase your product. And you... Got it. They prefer to make the transaction as quick as possible. <laughs> so, um, Same as the black market. Right. <laughs> when, you know, people are complaining about lines. So, oh. Um, to make the transaction as quick as Are there lines right now? Yeah, there's there's lines. So what people have done is they've taken more square footage so they can snake the line throughout the store, which puts less people outside on the street. Wow. Fascinating. Mind blown. <laughs> Colby, thank you so much for hopping on today and shedding some light on this industry. Really appreciate it. And um, uh, let's stay in touch, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.